0: Hi, this is Make Do, a podcast about art and creativity and life and all those things. I'm Julia Scott. And I'm Tiff Arment. So I wanted to start up with a little bit of a check-in because we've been sort of, without planning for it, we started dropping in homework yeah, we did. <laughs> in every episode. And then we uh, forgot. <laughs> now we're back. <laughs> and uh, I don't know if it was homework more for ourselves or for people listening or both, um, but i wanted to see how you were doing because i remember the first thing we said was about somehow framing or displaying something that you've made how are you on that
1: well i'm pretty good with that because i've already been doing that so i have my frames <laughs> That's and cheating. stuff and yeah a little cheating i actually um i got a present for marco made if anyone saw the um, the wave picture painting painting mm-hmm. I can't I tend to call everything a picture because like photography stuff right you have to start calling it a piece <laughs> a piece Ooh, that's good okay so I had the wave <laughs> piece <laughs> that I created I had that framed and I'm going to give it to him for his birthday so that's all done and packaged up and it's nice neat I love when they come back from the framers and isn't that nice little brown paper it's like a little present so good yeah, I, don't I don't think
0: I've ever had anything professionally framed.
1: Oh, you haven't lived. You have not lived until you've professionally framed. Because see, Probably. I am, <laughs> I'm like, I hate all the dust that gets into stuff. I make a big mess and then there's fingerprints and there's dust and then I take it apart again and then it's crooked. So anything that like I really care about, I just take to the framers in town. And I feel like I'm supporting local business. Um, the woman that owns the frame shop. Oh, well, I don't know if she owns it or if she manages, but she has an, a whole art studio set up in the back. And she showed me recently, because now I've been bringing in my own stuff. And so she was like, Oh, come back here, let me show you. And so all the work that's like in the shop, as examples of like what you can frame, she painted them all. So like, that's so cool. It's so awesome. So while she's waiting for like patrons to come in during the day to get something framed, and some days nobody comes in, right? And she's in the back painting. It's so great. It's like my my diploma for my master's degree is in one of those like frameless, Ikea, clippy, (laughs) non-frames. That's the level I'm on. It's somewhere. I don't know where it is. We get, you know, if um, anyone out there is also trying to do this kind of homework, um, not a sponsor, maybe in the future a sponsor, but Fracture. If you've ever gotten like a Fracture made of something that you have created like art-wise, I did for some friends. I actually made I made a little watercolor painting and then I scanned it into my computer and then I made a couple fractures and sent them out to people. So there are lots of different ways to frame stuff. And yeah, so I guess I have. Check. I have done my homework. I also always feel awkward about framing stuff because like you said, like, oh, it's a little awkward.
0: It's crooked. And then you don't. I have um, a a piece that I got once at a flea market that I put in just like a big IKEA frame. Mm -hmm. But I've realized that it's next I hung it next to the door to our laundry room mm-hmm. and I've seen that it started to like sort of droop and curl. Not ah, like the there the, you go. the humidity has both made it curl, but also like it's like I feel like the, the, the frame has warped a little so mm-hmm. that it's not holding it flat. So it's just like slowly sliding down into the frame.
1: That's the that's the great thing about professional framing is that everything is like super tight in there and like really well done and very clean. And it also um, you can get UV glass. So anything Mm -hmm. that you care about um, won't fade because they put that nice UV glass in and it could you could also just like buy a frame and then they can professionally put in uh, everything into it and like close up the back and it's, it's very nice process and you can get like you can get like antique frames too if you want to
0: if you find something fancy but you don't want someone else's ancestor in there
1: right you can bring like a frame that you have that doesn't have any glass or doesn't have any hanging hardware or anything and they'll do it all up for you which is great and it's really fun sitting and like picking out different mats to go with a, a different piece or a print that you might have it is a whole really fun little process so if no one's ever done it go treat yourself treat yourself to some custom professional framing because it's it's really quite a high and then you have like a nice beautiful piece that you're hanging in your house and and you can change it out that's something else that people don't know about like you can bring it back and open it up and change it so you're not like completely wasting a frame on one thing you can always swap stuff out it's no problem it's like a
0: Extra credit instead of homework is get something framed nicely. I have not framed or displayed anything.
1: <laughs> well, so now that's your homework. You have to go find a frame place and go get it right. done. Nicey nice. So yeah, yourself. <laughs> Actually, I think what I'm going to do first as like uh,
0: my rough draft is find a small, cute frame for that tree I painted in Atlanta. Yes, because totally it was just should. like it, it made me happy. And then I'll do something big. Yes. What was the next thing? Next thing was uh, art night, art hangouts. How are you doing on that? Because I have not, uh, partly because I've just you know I've been busy, and I think this is a weird time to yeah. start it because like there's so many activities, people with kids, like there's end of the school year stuff, uh, plus everybody I think would rather be outside when the weather is nice, which is it which which it is mm-hmm. really nice here right now. So, but I think it might be a nice like summer evening thing. Maybe have you brought it up to anybody, like any of your friends? Uh... I hope they all listen to the podcast. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't know if I have. I should. I should. I should just like do like a Facebook or a Twitter thing. Could be a nice like garden evening
1: activity. Yeah, just take some sketchbooks out and like in the evening with some wine. So nice. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then you sit there and you you draw the the fairy lights mm-hmm. and and uh, try to avoid mosquitoes. <laughs> but uh, so I have brought it up. And on Mother's Day, actually, I had my bestie bestie come over to the studio, and she doesn't um, necessarily draw or paint, but she, um, I gave her some watercolors, and she hung out for a few hours while I painted my millennial still life, and she painted like watercolor leaves and stuff, and she had a fantastic time. So it was That's really awesome. nice to have her over, and we did. I talked with my studio mate and with um with my best friend about having kind of like a little open open notebook night. I don't know what you would call it. Uh, and everyone was kind of on board. So I think maybe, like you said, the summer is a little tricky because people start traveling and they want to be outside. But maybe in the fall, you know, when everyone kind of gets back to school, we have a little... Um, it's like a little paint tasting. Yeah. And we were debating, just like we were talking on the show, like me and you, now do we have a kind of a get-together where everyone just brings a project, like you mentioned, which is one great great way to do it? Or do we kind of set up a little still life in the middle of the room and everyone just kind of goes at it and we all chat and talk and, you know, you just do whatever you can to capture that depending on your skill level, depending on what you want to work with, like the medium, medium and everything. So, um, so, yeah, there's a couple different ways to do it. And I think once we, um, I guess, tackle that, or at least just say like all right let's just pull the trigger and let's just do it and we can get it all set up and tell the people to show up then we'll just do it. So I I do, I want to do it and it's something we've been talking about. So you got the ball rolling with conversation. So check <laughs> a half check, right? Like half I, check. yeah, yeah, I checked a couple of the little check marks from below it, but the main header check is not is not there yet. And it's one of those things that really doesn't have to be perfect. Like it it doesn't have to be
0: a Pinterest type of evening.
1: No, um, you no. could just
0: like have, you know, two people or like you did one person and just like get started and then it'll look different every time.
1: Yeah, so it's exciting and I think that's getting other people that I know in IRL in real life to come and enjoy some art together. And it was actually really funny cuz my friend who isn't a painter was there with my um studio mate who is a painter and I was painting this these pink bottles right so I'm like working on this still life and I'm painting it and I'm I'm getting to the part of it where you have to do little tiny brush strokes to get the little tiny little reflections and the details and the shading and so I spent maybe like two three hours doing this and my friend who doesn't paint she's like honestly I don't even know what you did (laughs) like she's like I don't even know like I don't see the difference and she's like no offense But I I have no idea what you've been doing over there for the last couple hours. And I was like, you know, that's totally fair because it does look like, you know, when you compare one to the other, like where I started, I took like a little snapshot to where I ended up at the end of the day. It is a big difference, but it doesn't look like you've done much, you know. Yeah. And especially in the moment, it looks like you've been, you know, movie painting, like you're just a dry brush and you're just like flip, flip, flip. And that's the thing too cuz I'm I'm working on like this really slick um kind of particle board style canvas. It's almost like painting on IKEA furniture. <laughs> it's like coated. It's funny. And so if I make one little line and then I accidentally make another line on top of that, it erased the first line essentially, so I have to like go back and do it again. So I did things almost like 4 times in a row, so I guess it did take me way longer to make little tiny changes than it normally would have. So I don't know if anyone out there has ever painted on these things, but they're they're tricky. Although it's kind of fun. It's a fun tricky. So, our last thing that we wanted to talk about for homework was posting fails where <laughs> I where I cheated and made the picture for for that
0: episode, one of my fails. Yes, <laughs> uh, that I tried to save, and then I had a second failure. And I was gonna—I thought about just posting like my bucket of scraps waiting to be <laughs> be uh, wet up. And and your uh, bucket of fails, my 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 bucket of of crumbled hopes and dreams. You have a whole fail bucket. <laughs> oh, I have many fail buckets. <laughs> um, what about
1: you? I I don't think I've seen. Any failures? um I posted the beginning works of that that pink still life as a friend pointed out she called it a millennial still life, which I think is funny because <laughs> it's like millennial pink, so now I have like this big inspiration to be painting a whole bunch of pink millennial still lives <laughs> so just that's all I want to do. Um, I've moved on from Wales and now it's millennial still lives all the way but so so avocados. Uh, yep the sriracha bottle that I talked about before (laughs) there's so much like I'll just be the millennial still life artist Mm -hmm. um maybe that'll just be my thing uh that'll be my series right is that the lingo (laughs) (laughs) your millennial period it's like a weird pun (laughs) yes it's perfect yeah besides my wonky uneven Still life that I eventually fixed because thank you, oil paints, that you stay wet forever. (laughs) (laughs) You can be fixed. I posted some, I guess, some lunchbox art that I wasn't super proud of or didn't come out great, and I didn't redo it. I just put them in the box as is and took the picture. And I think before we talked, I wouldn't have posted those. Or I would have redone them. Like, they're good enough for the kid. They're not good enough for Instagram. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's, uh, you know, so like some off shading or messed up eyes or wonky this. And...
0: Like I've said, I love watching or I love looking at your lunchbox. And I would not have been able to guess like, oh, this one didn't come out right. And this one she was happy with. So if that helps.
1: That's good. That's good to know. <laughs> it is. Well, like I, I decided to take it upon myself to draw my own thing. Like I did a little picture of my son in the rain with um, an umbrella. And I know it came out a little bit funny and his eyes were a little bit weird. And I tried to write a um a, a song lyric and it got all smooshed up in one side because I didn't plan for enough space. But I was like, oh, well, you know, just send it off because he doesn't know what's going on. Um, a little Blind Melon lyric. <laughs> it's a little living in the moment thing. Yeah. And I know I could have done it better. And I know that the proportions were off. But, you know, that so I guess it wasn't a complete fail. I actually I feel like at least if you did it, you know, I feel like I would feel like it was a big fail if I didn't even make it to the lunchbox, which then would disappoint my son. So I don't let that happen. But it's yeah, living so in the moment. In the, yeah.
0: We are going to talk about something that I think is kind of complicated for sort of hobby artsy people. Because I think we we mentioned it before that I sell my ceramics. I don't sell other arts or craftsy stuff that I do. Uh, and you haven't sold stuff, but you've given stuff away, right? Yes. Yeah, I have not sold anything. Are you looking to get, because we've talked a little bit about, like, you don't want your hobby to be (laughs) commodified. You don't want it ruined by money. Stop trying to monetize
1: my hobby, dad. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Which I still love. Um, And it's such a, like, a millennial thing to say to a baby boomer or however old your dad is. (laughs) It's that thing of like, (laughs) no, I'm not an entrepreneur.
1: It is. I was always like, you should make greeting cards. (laughs) I don't want to make greeting cards. (laughs) <laughs>
0: but is, is it something that you maybe want to do at some point or is it like very much only for yourself uh in the long run as well
1: i don't know well as i was thinking of like painting my millennial still lifes <laughs> i'm like i could see myself painting too many of these and wanting to unload them uh i think i would possibly try and sell something at maybe like um like a little summer craft fair or something like that um, eventually if i get enough stock right now i can't see myself um putting like a schedule in mind and thinking about like okay i need to make seven pieces in two weeks and then the next week make this many pieces in order to have like a booth to sell stuff um that isn't in the cards right now, but I did have someone what I'm thinking of in the back of my mind, someone (laughs) mentioned to me on Instagram, they're like, Oh, I'd love to buy one of your whale paintings. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like, what would I would just give it to them? Obviously now I'd be like, just take it. But, um, I was like, wow, what would I do with that? Like that was, what would I charge? Like, how would I go about framing that? What would be good enough to sell? Like would I have to make twelve to in order to sell one because I was unhappy with them? I don't know. Like it's a really, really tricky spot to be in. I mean, like, how did you first get out there with your pottery? Because for the record people out there i have purchased julia's pottery and it is so profesh <laughs> like let me tell you it <laughs> doesn't leak or anything <laughs> it does not it's amazing no the glaze is beautiful your um your initials on the bottom like embossed into the is that how you say it and well they're, terms? St- they're stamped stamped there we go um uh, it's they're nice and clean and crisp and there's nothing like wonky or weird about it there everything's symmetrical like it's there's beautiful beautiful pieces of pottery so well, i <laughs> i can see how you have like i don't know i would have no problem selling something that lovely because it came out so nice so but like where did you start because i think that you're really the one to talk about this topic because you've gone <laughs> through all of the stages of this
0: yeah no definitely because uh At first it was like when I started posting stuff that I started to be really happy with and that I when I started to feel consistent in what I was doing um, because I mean there were times where people like oh can you make me this and I, I knew that I can't I can't promise that I can make you the thing that you want like I wasn't there in consistency and because I was also mainly taking classes so I, I didn't have steady access to a studio, so I couldn't like sell any type of volume. So it was more like sometimes I would have stuff like I would have too many things and I would either just like uh, give them away or give them to the charity shop. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I would ask if anyone wanted something that I, I liked but didn't feel like I had room for anymore. And I would charge a little bit for it, mostly as like you know <laughs> their type of goodwill towards me. Um, but then... I think I mentioned earlier that I decided two years ago to rent a studio space and see like both is this something that I can and want to spend more time on and Mm -hmm. also to see is this something that I can produce in quantities where it's worth trying to sell them and can I sell any quantities like because I think almost any type of art or craft people will say "Ooh, I would pay for that I would buy that and then that doesn't necessarily translate like you can have 20 people saying oh i want one mm-hmm. that doesn't mean 20 people are gonna buy something i do have to
1: say though because you brought a couple pieces to the pen show and <laughs> when i strutted down the hall with the piece that you made for me everyone's like oh, is that julia's and they literally stampeded down the hallway like they were all sitting at a table <laughs> and four people got up and started running towards you because i was like she doesn't have that many you better go find her and they're like whoosh it was it was quite incredible that must have been a really good feeling
0: it is a really good feeling. And also, you know, both trying out the different things that come into my head, primarily the, the t- tentacle handled mugs and bowls mm-hmm. are the main thing that I make that are like, very unique. But you know, you don't know until you've actually started offering them online or uh, at at markets, which is where I sell. I have an Etsy store. And I go to a lot of different markets. Uh, every now and then but I wanted to see like is this a thing that people actually buy or is it just a thing that they think is super cool and will like give lots of thumbs up and hearts but won't actually buy and it turned out that no you can you can't sell them people want to buy them and I think for me I have like the the tentacles they take longer to make than other mugs uh, than other handles but that's what makes people willing to pay for them because they are unique enough and weird enough that people sort of connect to them and are willing to pay for them because they are so clearly handmade and unique and weird. But
1: they're not clearly handmade in the the homemade sense. sense. Yeah, they look, (laughs) they're so nicely done. I just can't even, oh man, just go to her Etsy store and check it out because it really is so good. I can't believe like your hands made that and there's no like thumbprints in it because that's, basically what would happen to me
0: (laughs) (laughs) um but by handmade i mean that they're handcrafted like they're they're artisanal Mm -hmm. uh they're not um because a lot of times like potters have that problem is that people are like well this is a very lovely blue mug but not everyone will pay for something that is handmade and that took time um if they think that it's just a mug so it's that weird slot of when you have a very like specific like niche and you're uh, sort of specialized, it can sometimes be easier to sell things, even though you won't have as broad of an audience. Like, not everyone likes tentacles. The people that you do reach are going to be more passionate. So that's that's a cool thing. And not, not everyone has it. Like, if you're if you're selling still lives, still lifes, mm-hmm. I don't know how that pluralizes. Sure. Then you're like, you know, your market is either people who just like art in general and want to support artists, or people who are... Uh, attracted to the subject of the painting and that's super random
1: yeah oh yeah i mean i don't even like most still life. like i don't even <laughs> i don't like i find them boring there's a few that will stand out to me and i'll be like wow i really do like that but most of them not so much and uh i find myself painting one so there you go <laughs> uh yeah but but so it was like i wanted
0: to try it out uh and it was successful and i've just sort of kept growing it and it kind of goes in, in waves depending on whether what other work I have um, mm-hmm. because even though it is way easier to have a studio in your home than to have to go somewhere far away it's still like you you have to find the time for it but it was hard because you have to you have to build up a stock to fill an online store you have to fill up stock to bring to markets and and for the online store my main difficulty is the, because I make them all a little different. Because um, people like different sizes. Like mugs are super personal. Mm-hmm. People like their size and their handle. So I have to take pictures of every separate mug. I can't just be like, I have 20 of these. So that takes extra time. Uh, which when you make one-offs, which a lot of artists do,
1: it, it takes time. Uh, so you make stock and then you don't know exactly what will sell. So I have this weird thing when I make a whole bunch of something. or Like I will pick and choose the ones that kind of look the best and if I'm, okay, so let's just say I'm uh, trying to think, okay, I'm making cupcakes, right? And I put little dog faces on the cupcakes and some of them come out really, really great and perfect. And other ones come out not as perfect, but still pretty great. When I'm thinking about serving these cupcakes, I just like a total freak, <laughs> pick and choose which ones, like how good they are, depending on who I'm giving it to. So I'm going (laughs) to give the not great one to like a kid because they don't care. Or I will save like a specially perfect one for someone that would like really, really care that that was super perfect. Or I won't even want to give it to anybody at all because I'm like, this is too good. I want to hoard it for myself because I can't believe I made this. You know, like I go through these weird (laughs) Like I personify or I assign value to what I've made based on its perfection. And I can see myself getting into a hoarder sense of like, ooh, I don't want to sell this one because it's not as perfect. But yet I don't want to sell the super perfect one because it's too perfect. Like I want (laughs) to keep it for myself. So like how do you – do you just not have those feelings? Like those (laughs) – Oh, no,
0: definitely, definitely. Like I, It's a weird paradox of – when you get better, you have way fewer fails. Yeah. Yeah. But you're way more critical. So mm-hmm. like stuff that I would have been fine, maybe selling a couple of years ago. Now I just either toss or uh like keep it. Because what it is also because they are so, specifically the, the tentacle mugs, but other stuff as well, because they are mostly, you know, they're very much me. I think I talked about this. And I talked about knitting with someone a while back is because I can't control how someone else can post a picture of Instagram, not like literally, Mm -hmm. but sort of in my mind. That's how I feel like if this is something where I can see that I would have to take a picture from just one angle or where I'm like, well, as long as you don't see this tiny little flaw, it's fine. I don't want to sell something that I'm not super happy with. Right. And there are things that I can see now that, like, I know the people who bought them or friends that I've given stuff to, they really like them, but where I, where I now can very much see, you know, either flaws in technique or flaws in glazing or just like something like I'm not happy with it anymore. And and with with ceramics, like sometimes things happen in glazing that you, you can't control. And that that's right. not even about technique. It's just like a little bit of randomness or where something was standing in the kiln where I'm like, well, this is a fine mug, but I do not want to sell a fine mug. I want to sell a great mug.
1: Yeah. There's this other, uh, group of potters or a single pot. I don't know what their whole backstory is, but they're called tiny supply and they are on Instagram. I think they are in Singapore and they make these cute, adorable little like kawaii kind of, um, animal bowls and stuff. I just, I love their stuff. It's so adorable, but they often, won't release their stock because they're like it wasn't good enough Mm -hmm. and it had flaws and then they show and then they sell them sometimes after like a good batch is sold because they all everything all their stuff sells so fast because they're making such small batches and they'll show their seconds you know I guess that's what they were calling them like they're the stock that has like glazing flaws or something like that and it's nothing's broken there's nothing wrong with it it's just like a a bubble of glaze like it popped and now there's like a naked piece of pottery there or something like that and they'll show them and show the pictures and be like oh there's this and there's that and this came out wrong and I'm like what are you talking about it still looks (laughs) super adorable like here take my money like this is I want to buy it that's the thing I bet that
0: most of these things I could still sell no problem because someone else isn't going to see it as a flaw because they either don't know exactly what it's supposed to look like or they can't Mm -hmm. tell or but for me it's that thing I'm like no this is this is and there have been times where I've been tempted to bring them to markets uh, and just either sell sell them a seconds or pretend nothing's wrong because I'm like, you know, I made these 20 things mm-hmm. and I know I can sell all of them, but three or four of them are not perfect. And that's part of it is just like annoyance that like I, I spent all the time on this and then something happened in the glazing. And part of it is like that's that's money that I don't you know what do you call it? Leaving money on the table, except yeah. I'm leaving money at, at home
1: on my shelf. Well, I want to ask you how much you charge for pieces. I mean, not specifically, but how do you, do you calculate it based on your hourly pay? Like, are you paying yourself um, essentially like a living wage for what you're creating? Or are you charging based on the piece and the material? Like, um, Like, how do you how do you assign the value to something that you've made creatively because that's what I think I would have a lot of trouble with and I have a small anecdote after your answer <laughs> <laughs> no, that's that's super hard and that is always a discussion
0: in like most like creative or artistic communities is how do you charge for something and in this case when it's also an, an object that's meant to be used mm-hmm. and you know part of it like if you're an, an like a fine art artist, maybe you also charge for, you know, all the years that you've spent getting to that point and for your vision and to raise the value of art and all those things. Uh, But for me, part of it, like I did the math on like, what do the materials cost? How much does it take? And I've timed the different steps of, you know, both regular mugs and tentacle mugs to try and see like, how long does this take? What do the materials, both the clay and the glazing cost um, and try to find a balance there? And also find a balance that is both this is accessible to like regular people Mm -hmm. and this is still a decent price and also that they will value the thing. And also balance where this is a price where I can sell enough of them that it makes up for them not being like if they were super expensive, obviously I would make more money per thing sold and I wouldn't have to produce as many. But it's I know how to explain it. Like I'm looking for the balance where I can reach um, a, a critical mass, maybe like mm-hmm. and and that's hard, too, because I think I also tried to think in my head, like, what would I pay for this mug and what would I pay for this mug if I wasn't me, but I had slightly less money, <laughs> you know, uh, but I do for me, it's also important with specifically the stuff I make is that I don't I don't undervalue either myself or the art. Uh, And I don't undervalue it also literally in a sense that makes the market harder for other potters or other artists. Right, right. Because you see that a lot with people who either are hobbyists or who have like multiple streams of income or like multiple jobs. And especially if you haven't done the math where you're like, you know, if I sell this for $10, that's $10 in my pocket. Or, you know, if the materials only cost $5, that's, you know, $5 profit, but they don't take into account the time that it takes and the time that it takes to ship things, the time that it takes to set up the booth, like all those things. Yeah, there's so much that goes into it, really. Like, And and then it's going to be super hard if you charge $10 for a mug that is handmade and it's Take, took the same amount of time as the mug next to you that someone is charging 35 or 40 dollars for for which is a more reasonable price nobody is going to want to buy the more expensive mug even if it is amazing because you've sort of lowered lowered the bar mm-hmm. and as a crazy socialist lefty swede uh, <laughs> you know it's it's kind of the the
1: union promise of you know we won't sell our labor <laughs> lower than the price that we've agreed and then you're also competing with retail stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like that is there's no way. I mean, because I know how to sew and make clothes and things people always ask me, um, "Oh, do you make clothes for your kid, especially when he was a baby?" right? And I was like, "No way because I'm like a t-shirt costs like $3." From you know, like there's no way that yeah, like you'll make something as like a one-off, like I'll make my son's Halloween costume or something like yeah. that because it's fun for me to make it. But like when you're talking about either selling or supplying a a child with clothes that not only like grows out of stuff like crazy, there's also like fit, like there's just so many factors that go into it. There's no way you can possibly compete with like retail mass market stuff because it's done so cheaply because it's done on mass. Right. And like, yes, there's all the value of the artisanal and specific and unique and those things have value, but it's really hard to compete when you see like, oh, this t shirt costs three dollars, but yet the t shirt you made is you know thirty five forty dollars because it took you so many hours to make it,
0: <laughs> and that's where you have again, like the two groups one is if if you make something, it's very specific like, again, people can see that these are handmade, handcrafted, you can't really uh like they they can't be factory produced mm-hmm. uh, and then also the group of people who specifically seek out like you were saying supporting small business who seek out handcrafted things both because they want to support
1: artists and because they want something that's special somehow right but then there's the big worry of how many people out there are there that can like (laughs) support you yes there are like the few people that will and then once those people buy your things like (laughs) where's everyone else you know yeah Um, and that's
0: that's actually where i think funnily enough like millennials are blamed for a lot of things and if you think about it, we're blamed for the death of big box stores and the like. And why is that? It's because we're shopping small and local and uh, sustainable and, you know, all
1: that stuff. Like, Well, and there is a huge value in not having all the things, like having less and 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 surrounding yourself with less because you have the things that you do have are more valuable and personal and made better than just having a whole bunch like I yeah sure I could fill my cabinet with mugs you know from home goods like I could just go out and get like a set of 12 for like 10 dollars but do they mean anything to me when I'm using it like I rather have one mug that I spent like 35 dollars on at a market that's really freaking cool and use that all the time until I accidentally break it and then go out and get (laughs) another one you know like that to me feels better. Yeah, And the thing with that mug is that probably you were drawn to it for something, because again, mm-hmm. it is a
0: shape and a handle and a color that you like, and it's different, and you like the way it sits in your hand, and you probably have a memory with it as well, like that crazy little purple-haired lady that told you about, <laughs> you know, how she makes the thing uh, in a way that your your 12, you know, home goods mugs don't. But also with, again, this is with like, I don't know what you call it in in, in English, but like, you know, the... The everyday useful art goods, like with uh, a homemade dress or with handmade pottery, they last longer. Like mm-hmm. with with pottery specifically, uh, and I always you know I tell people about this at markets, and I find it fascinating. But because of the way the clay is processed and compressed when you throw it, uh, it usually stands up to like hardware, <laughs> everyday wear, much better than the stuff that's just poured. And molded, it just it makes it longer lasting. And it's the same with a lot of things that are handmade, you know, they're better quality, because someone has spent time on them, Mm -hmm. usually better materials and that kind of thing. So maybe you you won't even break your mug in the
1: way that you have to keep buying like new mugs every (laughs) however many years. (laughs) there's one artist that I do want to bring up because she has been on my mind recently. And I think it's extremely relevant to this topic. And she brought up on, again, on Instagram, which is where I consume all of my art. Um, her name's Natasha Newton. And I believe she lives over in the UK. Uh, I actually have one of her pieces that I bought because I just, I love her work. You can go check her out. She wrote this great um, post, I guess. And it's on Instagram over a couple of different photos. She like, you know, puts like big long comments underneath and she was talking about selling her art in galleries and what that means because at first it seems like oh it's a great idea you can put it into galleries and you know the gallery takes part of a fee and it turns out like from what she was describing I saw galleries take like 50 Mm percent of the fee and it's like, when you think about what you have to charge for your art and what would be reasonable, and we're talking right now specifically about paintings. So you say you would charge $200 for your painting. and But then the gallery that you're showing it in who's supposed to be bringing in more buyers and more people to look at your stuff so you're you would be selling more quantity they take 50%. Then they also um then there's also shipping. So you have to cover the shipping and and sending everything over there and then pieces get damaged so then you're kind of liable for that and it's just like she ended up coming to the conclusion of not using galleries as much but then she was saying like then but I understand that that's also someone else's um livelihood and their business and their job to have these galleries and it's nice that they're there and that they're displaying art and they're promoting art. But at the same time, like the artists themselves, they're like, well, then you don't want to charge. You get criticized for charging too much for your painting. So instead of charging 200, you then charge 500. So then you can get what you would be putting into it. And it just, it never ends up working out. Right. Like I was just, I'm so curious. Like I just recently, got into learning about that world from her few posts, but it just really intrigued me and it's been kind of on my mind. I mean, do you know anything about this? Like maybe like reselling in stores or stores taking commissions and how that affects the exposure. And uh, I don't know, like I feel like now we have a bit of a better advantage with social media and places like Etsy where we can sell things more readily with lower commissions is this i feel like it's all good for artists that kind of thing but (laughs) i I don't know where i'm going with this it's just i guess i wanted to tell everyone (laughs) (laughs) like i found this thing and you all need to know (laughs) yeah no
0: exactly And i mean like with especially with following a lot of potters it's the same like when you make maybe more arty pieces but even when you do like home good stuff a lot of it a lot of people do sell through galleries and like you said like they take it's it's very very much like a good with the bad that you you get visibility and they handle all the practical stuff and they can handle marketing but they take a hefty commission it's the same with I have my stuff in a couple of um, stores in Sweden Mm -hmm. and again like they also take usually around half or something like that and so you know I, I get half half the amount but I don't have to store that stuff I can you know do some specific stuff for like I have uh yarn bowls and mugs with little Uh, balls of yarn on them that I have in in a couple yarn stores like that Mm -hmm. makes sense Uh, which is stuff that maybe wouldn't sell as well on Etsy maybe right Uh, or at markets unless I'm at a specific market they sell well (laughs) there and it's that thing of uh, it's you trade sort of ease for income uh, so I don't I don't want to go to like retail in any bigger sort of on any bigger sort of scale, because that would mean having to streamline the way I work, probably having to make very different, much simpler tentacles. If that's what I wanted to sell, I would have to either raise the prices or change the way I do some of the things that I do for the thing that's my best seller. And I mean, again, that's specific to me, but that is also true for, for many artists, regardless of of what it is. And and with pricing also, like I was saying, some things people understand, some things people don't. Like you might think that something that's big and took way more clay should be more expensive and people are willing to pay for that, but that may not be the thing. That may not be the thing that was most complicated to make. Like it's it's a bowl. It was simple. It's maybe not mm-hmm. even decorated. It just has a really nice glaze. And the cost of the clay is not what what makes that more expensive, but sometimes you can charge more just because there's a joke in the in the pottery community if you can't make it good make it big if you can't make it big make it blue <laughs> because everyone loves blue glaze <laughs> um uh and and that's kind of true like people and I think it's the th- same with with paintings or other art forms that people don't necessarily understand I think we talked about this about posting stuff on social media as well like mm-hmm. when you want credit like maybe if you made this huge canvas people would think like, well, that must have taken a long time. And maybe it did. Maybe it didn't. Maybe your, you know, tiny reflections and and glares on glass bottles would have
1: taken you eight times as long as the big Mm -hmm. canvas, because that's what you do. Like, yeah, you're also dealing with the audience that you have people who come into it, not knowing the value of something, you know, like if they've never bought Handmade pottery before, or they've Mm -hmm. never purchased a painting, or in terms of my friend, they've never bought a custom cake, right? That has like all this fondant work and stuff on it. They won't know the value until they kind of like they'll get sticker shock, right? Like when you tell them, like this is how much it is, and they're like, whoa, 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 for a cake? (laughs) Are you kidding me? That you eat and it is gone, and it's like, well, then that's fine if that's not for you. That's what I make these for, right? And then they move on. And then what do they do? They go shopping around and they educate themselves essentially by trying to find a better price. And they find out, oh, you are charging less than everybody else. (laughs) You know, like Mm -hmm. I feel like that's like they're educating themselves. And so you have both people that don't care about paying those prices because they already know. The value of certain things that they're shopping for especially handmade things that are like one-offs like from your kitchen from your studio like small batch things versus people who are completely new to it and just used to going to the grocery store and picking up a cake and getting your name piped onto it and then bam there you go 20 bucks right like it, it's it's a it's a whole economy And <laughs> that's where context is
0: usually in my favor because i primarily sold at sort of makery crafty type fairs like it's not Mm -hmm. just a big flea market and i'm one of the tables it's you can definitely tell the difference when it's a market that's been marketed very clearly as like come see handmade things by artists and people come there because they like handmade things they are willing to pay for it because they know like this is a person and they get to see that person or if you're at a market where like uh, I sold at a market a few weeks ago that was one of those, but it was also next to a big sort of uh, flea market type. So people would sort of come in off the street and not know where they were coming. And then you can definitely see how people are less prepared to spend more because they're like they just sort of come in off the street and have no idea what it is. Mm-hmm. But I do like markets are every time I pack up for a market, I wish that I was like a postage stamp artist or something because pottery is is (laughs) heavy heavy and and delicate. (laughs) It's heavy and delicate. It takes up a lot of room. And uh, like I can't because, again, like I like to make lots of different things. I have to pack up most of the things. I can't just like restock on the table. Uh, And you have to when you leave, you have to pack up each thing individually in protective packaging. Sometimes I look at the people who are like printmakers or jewelry makers. I'm like, oh, next lifetime. Um, <laughs> I'm so jealous. Why did I choose this? <laughs> I've made a huge mistake. <laughs> exactly. I made a huge, heavy, noisy, breakable mistake. Uh, but every time, you know, I, I, I grump a little. But it is amazing to get to meet people. Mm -hmm. and both like people are like I saw this you know I've had people who sort of beeline across the room they're like I saw this on Instagram I have to have this specific mug
1: oh Uh, that must feel so good be like I saw this on it I just love that I love that (laughs) interaction like or people who come up and they're like you know they do a double take they're like wait
0: does does that mug say what I think it does I mean I make mugs with rude words on them or the word (laughs) no or just you know uh, lots of flowers and stuff as well but or the tentacle mugs and like wait is this and they stand there and Both the interaction with someone who maybe doesn't even talk to me, but like holds the mug or like they pick they pick one up, they put it down, they pick up a couple, and they come back to the first one like they, you know, they're they're bonding with the mug they're finding their mug or they want to talk about it and there have been markets where i very much feel the thing like your appreciation doesn't pay my electric bill mm-hmm. <laughs> but as soon as as soon as like three or four people buy something so that like i've made back the cost of the table and i've made a little bit of profit and then like i'm good then i'm like i can i can take looky lose now yeah you get into uh, a but better like, headspace about it but getting to meet people who appreciate the things you do even if they can't buy at the time or they only buy something small You know, because especially when you sell online, like, yeah, sometimes most of the times you get a review or you get like you see them on Instagram. That's super cool. But those are the people who have already bought your thing, whereas Mm -hmm. the people who come up and feel the feeling of your thing. (laughs) And that is really cool. And even, you know, you're exhausted afterwards and sometimes you have a crappy day and you don't sell as much as you wanted or. uh, But it's still it is really cool to to, the, to both get to meet people and then knowing, like, I am in someone's morning every morning. It's it's good for the soul.
1: Mm-hmm. Because, it helps you feel your worth. Ha ha. Yeah. <laughs> full
0: circle. There we go. Because I think that regardless of your art, a lot of it is a very solitary endeavor. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good way. Mm-hmm. You have the social media part of it. And like we were talking about, maybe you have creative friends, maybe you get feedback but there's that very real thing of, I mean, obviously, if someone wants to give you their hard earned money for a thing, <laughs> that is hugely gratifying. But just having someone look at your thing and appreciate it in person and also someone who doesn't know you, like your Instagram followers, they know you, they like you. Uh, they're going to, you know, applaud you because they like you.
1: Yeah. Does, yeah. Doesn't
0: mean they're lying, but they're biased. But, but someone who is just like this random person who comes up and is like, this is so cool. And that's a really good thing. And I mean, I, I don't think that it's in and of itself the only reason you should go to market
1: because it's still a lot of work. You're making me feel like I want to go sell stuff now. You've inspired me. You should. Me. <laughs> now I'm all like hyped up. I'm like, oh, I think I'm going <laughs> to spend the summer painting and sell some stuff and look people in the eye and be like, yeah, like it? Do you like it? Tell me. That is, give me that is give me your, your th- homework.
0: <laughs> but, you know, I, th- I think that once you do feel like, you know, especially if you're like, I have stuff left over. I love doing this. It can be a good challenge to set yourself cuz the first time is super scary. The first time you're very much like I'm going to stand there. Nobody's going to buy a thing and they're going to hate it and everything is going to f- fall off the table, you know, like. But it is really cool. It's it's uh it's special for sure. It's hard to know when you're when you feel good enough to sell your things. And you're going to look back at stuff you've sold, like I said, and be mm-hmm. like, "Oh no, can I <laughs> I think we talked about this about <laughs> like can i sneak into someone's house and take back the painting and replace it with something better yeah. <laughs> be like just give me that back i'll give you the
1: updated version <laughs> but it's it's cool too well we hope that after all of this talk that we've helped all of you guys all the listeners out there feel a little bit like maybe you guys can find your worth in things or whatever your project is, because I know you've just inspired me. So <laughs> I feel super inspired.
0: And also, actually, what I realized is like when when you do, if you do start selling stuff, don't don't cheap out in the beginning. Don't be like, oh, I'm just starting out. Just be like, I think somebody said that the, the price that you should charge either for your services or your goods is when people complain a little, but they pay anyway. Ooh, that's and, good. I like and that. I think that was, uh, that, I think it was um, Stephanie Hulbert on, she's a, a like a, a programmer or a developer on Twitter. And for her, she was talking more about like contractor type stuff, like if mm-hmm. you're a freelancer, but you should think about that. Like you should be proud of the thing you've made, even if it's not awesome. Don't be like, you know, this, I'm just a beginner and this isn't that great. If if you don't feel great about it, don't sell it. But if you're like, I made a painting and I want someone to buy it, like maybe don't charge you know, $8,000, but like <laughs> $10
1: million, <laughs> charge
0: charge for it, because that also makes the person who buys it feel happy about it, because they're like, you know, I got an art piece. I didn't get something that I can stick in a frame, you know, in my bathroom, because I need something to go on this wall. Just mm-hmm.
1: like charge a little, just feel feel good about yourself. Thanks. I think I will. <laughs> it's really easy to say. And I've given that advice to other friends, but it's a little still hard to completely digest and be like, what am I going to charge?
0: And also, if uh, if the people who are listening have uh, been better about the homework that we have assigned than we have, mm. <laughs> uh, feel free to to get in touch with us.
1: Yeah, I definitely want to know if anyone is out there charging for the first time and <laughs> how that feels or like going to your first market and All kinds. So, yeah, I have a friend that makes soap and she sells at a market and I've loved watching her journey. And there's just so many things that people make and do. (laughs) Damn, look at this. All right, everybody. Um, thank you so much for joining us this week. And you can find show notes over at make do pod.com. And we are make do pod most places and Tiffany Arment and Julia Scott. That's S K O T T individually. <laughs> and um, remember to subscribe to our podcast and leave stars and reviews and iTunes stuff because this is how we value our worth in the podcast world. <laughs> so we'll be back in a fortnight. And until then, go make and do.